Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. Folks, on this Resurrection Day, we remember that because of the resurrection of our good Lord, He changed our life forever, amen? And listen carefully, if you're joining us for that first time, He can do the same for you. Do you believe that, church family? Amen. Let me pray for us before we begin. My Lord, my Savior, Father, we love you, O God, so much. And today on this Easter Sunday, Lord, we, we gather together, Lord, to remember, oh Lord, what you have done for us, how you gave your life for us on that rugged cross. But on three days later, Lord, you resurrected, oh God, to new life. And so, Father, thank you, Lord, for giving us your son and for changing our lives forever. And all of God's people say it together, Amen, amen. Hey, folks, can we give it up for the Lord one more time? Amen. Hey, well, happy Easter Sunday. Welcome, family. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And if it's your first time here today, whether online or maybe at one of our campuses, listen, we are just so honored. We are so thrilled that you've decided to join us on this beautiful Easter Sunday to, uh, to, to praise our Lord. Let's welcome our first-time guest one more time. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being here with us. And today, listen, we're going to look on this Easter Sunday at the resurrection passage from the Gospel of John. And so if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. You can also fire up your Christ Fellowship apps and follow along with us or uh, through our listening guides as well. And so listen to what God's Word says in John chapter 20. It says, Now on the first day of the week, meaning Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. But Mary stood weeping outside of the tomb, and as she wept, listen, she stooped to look in, into the what? Into the tomb. In other words, what Mary experienced the moment she looked inside the empty tomb of Christ changed her life forever. Amen, church? You can go and take a seat, everybody, at all campuses. And church, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, when I was growing up, my parents always had a really big Egyptian painting in our living room on this papyrus paper. And I remember as a little boy, every single time walking by and just looking at this painting 
and it always piqued my interest. The folks with that in mind traveled back in time to the year 1922, about 100 years ago. Because in 1922, uh, the archaeologist Howard Carter was in, in Egypt in the Valley of Kings. And church, for six long years, he had been digging and digging and digging. And through all those years, he would remove all this rubble out of there, and he would sort through all this uh, debris. And folks, now everyone heads up here because what he was in search for was the ancient tombs of Egyptian pharaohs. Oh yeah, those tombs that had been untouched for thousands and thousands of years. Now follow the story here. Because one ordinary day, he was just doing what he always did. He was searching and digging and doing his thing. And he came to a point where he saw like, like, a, like a small door, like a small opening. And to him, he thought, this is just an ordinary thing that is going to lead nowhere. But something in him said, you know what, continue. And he opened that door. And folks, listen to what Carter experienced as he stuck his head inside and the light of his candle pierced the darkness. Listen to, what he, listen to what he wrote. He said, at first, I could see nothing. That hot air escaping from the chamber, causing the candle flame to flicker. But presently, as my eyes grew accustomed to the light, details of the room within emerged slowly from the mist. Strange animals, statues, and gold. Everywhere, the glint of gold. For the moment and eternity, it must have seen to be others standing by. And I was struck dumb with amazement. And when Lord Carnarvon, his partner, unable to stand the suspense any longer, inquired anxiously, can you see anything? It was all I could do to get out the words, wonderful, yes, wonderful things. And church, as it turns out, Howard Carter had just found the tomb of King Tutankhamun, more currently known as King Tut. And church, what he found inside of that tomb changed his life forever. Because not only did he find the golden mummy of King Tut, but surrounding that mummy, listen, there were countless statues of gold. There were chariots. There were thrones paintings, artifacts, all these amazing things. And get this, there were over 5,000 different articles of gold inside of that tomb, valued at over $1 billion. And get this, it took over 10 years to empty out that tomb from all those treasures. And churches, and do not miss the point here, though. Because the physical treasures that Howard Carter found inside of that open tomb changed the rest of his earthly life forever. And folks, let me just bring all of that over to our time together. Because what an image of how the open tomb of Christ changes us forever, but on an everlasting scale. And by that I mean that just like the, what the physical treasures that Carter found changes earthly life forever, listen, just like that. And here is the big idea on this Easter weekend. When one discovers, listen, 
the open tomb, not of a measly little Egyptian king thousand years ago, but folks, the open tomb of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Listen, we find spiritual treasures that fill us with awe and with wonder. And folks, not only does that change our, our earthly life forever, but it will change us for all of eternity. Amen? And who knows, listen, maybe you're here right now watching us for the first time. You're thinking, Omar, how does that resurrection of Christ, that open tomb of Christ 2,000 years ago, how does that change my life today? Because honestly, I'm just here for the first time. And to me, the resurrection of Christ is just something that happened that's really meaningless to me today. Well, listen, we're going to find out from the, from the Gospel of John chapter 20, all right? So if you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 20. You can fire up your Christ Fellowship apps again. And today I have three thoughts for us on how Jesus and his resurrection changed our life forever. Christ Fellowship, are you ready on this Easter Sunday? Let me hear you. All right, so write this down as point number one at all campuses. Through the open tomb of Christ, listen, we gain the treasure of a heavenly Father. Now let's go back to the passage for today and listen to what it says. Now on the first day of the week, on that first Easter Sunday, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And so the sunrise, the sun had not risen yet, so it's still kind of dark. She, she can barely see anything. And when she got there, she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. But Mary, what, stood weeping outside of the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And then she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. Imagine that view. Two angels in dazzling white, and they said to her this, Woman, why? Why are you weeping? And she, she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where he, they have laid him. And so having said this, she turned... Right? She turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus yet. So Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her one word. She said, he said, Mary. And the moment she said that, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, the language of the time, Rabbani, which means teacher. And folks, listen to what happens next, because it's almost like the door of the tomb opening and opening up for us a brand new world. Listen to what Jesus says next. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and whose father? Your father. Whose father? Your father. Yeah, your father. Now, folks, circle the phrase your father if you have it open in your Bibles. Because this was a monumental statement by our Lord. And here's why. 
is because in the entire Old Testament and in all the rabbinical writings of all those thousands of years, there was never a moment recorded where a Jewish person ever addressed God as their father. Now, there were a few moments, a few instances in the Old Testament where God referred to him as the father of the nation of Israel, just to make a general point and an analogy here. But folks, from an individual standpoint, they never, they saw God as holy and powerful, but they never saw him as their personal father. Now, think about this. Abraham, Moses, David, all men of God who knew God, and none of them ever addressed God as their father. In fact, when Jesus showed up on the scene and he began to refer to God as his father, listen, the people were picking up stones to stone Jesus because that's blasphemy for them. And folks, here's why. It's because write this down, letter A. It's because before the resurrection, we were only creations of God. You see, every human being dating all the way back to Adam were created by God in the image of God, but they never knew him as their father. However, listen, the resurrection of Christ changed everything for them. And here's why. It's because write this down, letter B. After the resurrection, listen, we were now able to become children of God. Amen. Now notice, Jesus, for the very first time, he tells them, I am ascending to my Father, and now your Father. So, Omar, what changed after the resurrection? Well, before the death of Christ, the disciples and all the people never had direct access to God. Why? Because our sin separated us from God, right? What we deserve for our sin is eternal death and punishment for sinning against a holy and righteous God. And so sinful man did not have direct access to God. And so don't miss this, because after the, the death of Christ, that division was broken between us and God. You see, on Good Friday, we see such a beautiful displays, display of the mercy of God. You know, mercy, the concept of mercy, is that you don't get what you deserve. And folks, on that Good Friday, listen, our Lord showed mercy to us because when his son was dying on the cross, listen, he was dying for our sins, not for his sins, he was perfect, but for our sins, right? And so through the crosses, and God was showing us mercy because we are not getting what we truly deserve. But folks, on Easter Sunday, we see such a beautiful display of the grace of God. You see, grace is us getting what you do not deserve. And so what after the resurrection, God does the unthinkable. What he does is that he takes a step and then adopts us as his own sons and daughters. Amen. Now think about this. Jesus Christ could have died on that cross for us, paid for your sins and my sins, but then God the Father could have done this. He could have done, listen, 
because my son had to die for you, listen, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. I'm going to show mercy to you, but you will never know me. And he would keep you so far away to the other corner of the universe. You will never knew God. You would never know him in any sort of relationship. But after the resurrection, the father does the unthinkable. He takes a step and he adopts sinful human beings to be his own sons and daughters. Amen? Which means, write this down as our seed. That our identity, listen carefully, is now being a child of God. And family, listen, this truth should, should radically change your life. Because where you should find your identity is not on how much money you make. It's not on what your career is. It's not on where you live. It's not how many followers you have on social media, how many likes, how many views. Your identity is not on whether you're single or married or divorced. Listen, your identity in Christ is that now you are a child of the living God. And listen carefully, it does not matter what comes down the pike, you are grounded. Everyone say grounded. grounded. Everyone say grounded. grounded. Yeah. You are grounded in the fact that you are a child of God, loved and accepted. You know, just recently I was talking to someone and they were sharing with me how in their life they felt like they, have, they were frustrated and they were, uh, you, know, you know, discouraged and really that, that they were just, they felt like they were not content in life. And I asked them a simple question. I asked them, do you see God as your father? And there was an awkward silence for a few seconds. And he said, you know what, I don't, I don't think I see God as my father. I see God as holy. I see God as righteous, as powerful. But I don't think I see God as my father. And I told him, listen, the reason you've been going through all these different, from friendship to friendships, hobbies to hobbies, lifestyles to lifestyles, is because you're trying to find your identity in something in this world you cannot find it, and therefore you're living a frustrated life. And I told him, listen, you are living like an orphan when you have a heavenly father. And you know, for some of us, listen, we have trouble leaving certain habitual sins in our life because we don't see God as a loving father who's accepted you already, right? Listen, we see him as a God who is restrictive, who doesn't want the best for you. You don't see him as a loving God, and so therefore you have that view of God and you stay in the habitual sin. You know, some of us feel like we can never please God. And maybe it's because you don't see God as a Loving Father who's already accepted you, but rather as a judgmental God who's taking note of every little thing you do. You know, the reason that some of us 
perhaps have tr trouble consistently coming to church to worship God is because you don't see what we're doing right now as the children of God worshiping our Heavenly Father. You see this as a religious ritual. So therefore, because you don't see God as your perfectly Heavenly Father, you don't value when the children of God gather together to worship God. You see, family, the moment that you understand you are a truly a child of God, loved and accepted, listen, it should change your life forever. Amen? And so listen, through the resurrection of Christ, not only do we gain a heavenly father, but something else. In fact, write this down as big number two. Through the open tomb of Christ, we also gain a, the treasure of a perfect brother. Now, listen to carefully to what the Lord said to, to, to Mary. He said this, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my what? Brothers. To my what? Brothers. To my brothers. Now, folks, it's interesting that up to this point in the gospel, Jesus had never addressed the disciples as his brothers. He calls them his disciples, he calls them servants, he even calls them friends. But folks, never did he call them brothers until this very moment. Now, is Jesus God himself? Yes. Is Jesus the second part of the Trinity? Absolutely. Is Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Yes. If he's the one, is he the one that spoke the world into existence? Absolutely, but listen, that same God who spoke the world into existence now calls you my brother, my sister. Amen. Folks, why? Why would Jesus call us brothers and sisters? Why would he call the disciples now his brothers? It's because at that moment already, the Father had already adopted them and brought them into his own family. And folks, he and now, now, now that we've been adopted by our Heavenly Father, Christ is our ever-exalted, superior, unique, divine, older brother. Amen. And folks, here is what is amazing about our new perfect, divine, exalted, perfect brother. Write this down, letter A. He is a brother who is not ashamed of you. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Hebrews chapter 2. It says, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist, right? Jesus Christ is the one who spoke the world into existence. In, in bringing many sons, in, in bringing many daughters to glory, that's you and me, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies... And those who are sanctified now have one source, that is the Father. And then listen carefully. This is why he is not what, church family? Ashamed. He is not ashamed to call them what? Brothers. Brothers. You know, some of us are here today on this Easter Sunday. And you're looking great. You have your Easter outfit on. You're looking all dapper. But listen carefully, some of us are wearing a facade because some of us are carrying shame
from something that you did back at one point in your life or, you, or a season that you went through. And now you are in Christ, all right? And the truth of the matter is that part of your fear is that if those things ever came out, if people found out who I was, listen, I, not only would I be ashamed, but God would be ashamed. But listen, this is a good news of the gospel, and that is that Jesus is not ashamed of you. He is not ashamed of you. Why is he not ashamed of me? Because, listen, he already paid the price for the sin that you are ashamed of. Listen, when he was carrying that cross and allowing himself to be nailed that cross, he already knew what you were going to do. He knew that shameful thing you were going to do, and he still died for you. Why? Because he loves you. And so, listen, for some of us here today on this Easter weekend, we need to be reminded it's time for you to stop being ashamed of who you were before Christ. Listen carefully, God is not ashamed of you. Do you believe that, church family? And not only is he not ashamed, but write this down as it will be, he's also a brother who suffers with you. Amen. In fact, this is what it says just a few verses later. He says, for because he himself has what? Suffered. Because he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who are being tempted. You know, some of us are right now here and the facade that you have over you is not so much of shame, but it's pretending like you're not going through suffering. In fact, when people ask you, are you doing okay? You say, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, things are good. Thanks for asking. Especially with guys, you know how it is. Sometimes we'll ask another guy, hey, bro, how you doing? You doing all right? Oh, yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Yeah, you know, my, my wife hasn't spoken to me in two weeks. You know, my children you know, are failing school, and I haven't paid the mortgage in three months, but I'm, I'm doing good. I'm, I'm, I'm doing good, right? And here's the thing. Listen, on this Easter Sunday, let me remind you that if you're going through a tough, difficult season in your life, you're not alone. The Lord is closer to you than you can ever imagine. You have a perfect, divine, exalted, big brother who will always be there for you through thick and thin, and he will never leave you or forsake you. Amen? And so on this Easter weekend, listen, you need to walk out of your campuses, wherever you're at, knowing, listen, I may be going through a hard time, but the Lord is with me. Amen? In fact, listen, and so not only do we get the privilege of gaining a heavenly father, uh, an exalted, divine, perfect older brother, but there's something else that you gain. In fact, write this down as big number three. Through the open tomb of Christ, listen, we gain the treasure of an eternal inheritance. Amen. Now, in the book of Hebrews, it says that Jesus is the heir, is the heir of all things. Now, when you start thinking about the concept of an heir, right, you think of an inheritance, and it usually uh, involves a transfer of some sort of property, money, dominion, power over from one family member to the other family member, right? That's what, we, that's what an inheritance is. And so what we see in Scripture 
is that when Christ returns in his second coming and establishes his kingdom, the Father is going to transfer everything over to the hands of the Son. He is going to be the heir of the entire universe. He will have full dominion and ownership over everything in the created order. And folks, here is the great news of the gospel for you and for me. And that is because of the resurrection of Christ. Write this down, letter A. We are now co-heirs with Christ. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Romans chapter 8. It says, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father, Daddy, Father, is what it means. And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, listen carefully, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ now, folks, don't miss this. Everyone say, don't miss this at all campuses. Don't miss yeah, this. don't miss this. Because being a co-heir with Christ means that because God the Father has adopted us as his own sons and daughters, everything that Christ is going to inherit, listen, you and me are going to inherit as well. Which means that every single city that you wish you could ever travel to but can never do this in his lifetime. Listen, every single city in this world will be yours. Every single beautiful place that you wish you could explore, listen, it will be yours. You will have dominion over that. And even to the corner of the farthest galaxy in this universe, listen, it will all be yours along with Christ. Isn't that a wonderful thought? You know, some of us are here and we know the real estate market as of late has been pretty crazy, right? Man, it feels like the home prices are keep going up and up and up. And some of us are here and are not homeowners. And we wish that somehow, somewhere we can afford to purchase a home. And the truth of the matter is that your concern that your future is not secure because you're still trying to figure out how to get and to purchase a home. But listen carefully. If you are a child of God, it ultimately doesn't really matter because your future is secure. You have an eternal inheritance. You see, being co-heirs with Christ, this theological understanding of it is a great equalizer among the people of God. Because it doesn't matter if you are the poorest person here today or you are the richest person with many homes. Listen, it does not matter because at the end of the day, this life is really short. But when we die and we go spend eternity with Christ and, and the Father transfers everything to the hands of the Son, listen, your future will be secure, man. You will have more than you can ever, ever dream or imagine. But listen, you may be here right now thinking, oh, I'm tracking with you, and you're talking about some lofty things, about future inheritance and all this. But man, I'm struggling right now. So what is the guarantee that my future is secure? Well, listen carefully. God has put a down payment on your future. In fact, write this down as letter B. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance. 
Now, let's go back to the the Gospel of John, the resurrection account, because listen to what the Lord says the moment that he sees his disciples. So on the evening of that day, right? So Mary's account was in the morning, now we're in the evening. The first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the what? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Now don't miss this. Because immediately after telling them that they have now a father and he calls them brothers, he does something very interesting. The first thing he does is that he breathes on them the Holy Spirit. Now, why would the Lord do such an odd thing? Why would he do this immediately after the resurrection? Listen, he was with them for three long years. Why did he wait immediately after the resurrection to put the Spirit of God in them? Well, listen, because the Holy Spirit is not only proof that you are, in fact, a child of God, that you've been adopted into God's family, But listen carefully, it's also the guarantee of your eternal inheritance. In fact, listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. And then it says that we were then sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the what? Guaranteed who is the guarantee of our what? Inheritance. Inheritance. Until we acquire possession of it. You know, when I was growing up, for some of you who are a little little younger, you might not uh, understand what I'm about to say, but I remember the concept of layaway. You guys remember layaway? How many of you remember layaway? Yeah, a lot of us a little older. You know, I'm 40, almost 40, so I was in the, on that borderline right there before layaway went away, which, by the way, I still see him here and there. But for those of you who are younger, let me help you understand what layaway was. You know, when you wanted something, right, here's what you do. You would go to the store. I remember going to the store with my mom to Kmart, right? We would go to Kmart, somewhere like that. And you would go and get whatever it is that you wanted, and you would take it to the layaway counter, right? The, the, it says layaway. And so here's what you would do. Even though you were not taking that one piece of toy or clothing or whatever, you're not taking it. Here's what you would do. You put a little deposit in there, right? And then here's what you're saying. Listen, I'm going away, but that's mine. Right? That's what you're saying. Lay it away for me because I'm coming back to get this. And you know what an image of what the Lord has done for us when he gave us the Holy Spirit of God. Because before he ascended, listen, he put the Spirit of God in you. That's right. And listen, that is a guarantee that, yes, I may be going away to heaven for just a few, uh, for for a while. But when I come back, listen, that is the guarantee that not only are you my child, but listen, that at the end of the day, you have an eternal inheritance. And so it does not matter what you're going through on this Easter Sunday. Listen carefully. Because you have the Spirit of God in you, you can rest assured that your future is secure. Do you believe that, church family? 
And so family, let's, let me end with this. You know, going back to the story of Howard Carter. For years and years and years and years, that man searched empty tunnels, empty corridors, empty caves. And he put so much effort, but he always wound up empty. But one day, when he least expected, he ran into an old open tomb. And what he found in there changed his life forever. And maybe right now you find yourself very similar to Howard Carter. That for many years, you've been searching and searching and searching. You've been going from relationship to relationship, from career to career, from friends to friends, from lifestyle to lifestyle, from addiction to addiction. And as you reflect for all these years, you have winded up empty inside. And you're sitting here right now, and you know that when you look back at your life, everything you has wound up feeling, leaving you empty. But today, on an Easter Sunday morning, you walked into church, and you discovered the tomb the empty tomb of an ancient King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And what you found inside, what you discovered, what God has for you, has the ability to change your life forever. So you may be sitting here right now thinking, Omar, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of living life without the Lord. For so many years, I, have, I know that I need to get right with God. I know it is a time and what better time than Easter Sunday to say, you know what, I need to start a personal relationship with God. That type of relationship that you describe of, of what we can have with God as our Heavenly Father, listen, I want that. I need God in my life. I need to get right with God. So, Omar, how can I do that? How can I become a child of God? How can I start a personal relationship with God? Listen, the answer does not lay in coming to church and sitting down a chair. The answer is not you going out there and doing all these good works. The answer is not laying maybe a traditional ritual you did when you were a child. The Bible is very clear as to how it is that you can become a child of God and start a beautiful relationship with the God who loves you. Listen to what God's Word says in John chapter 1. It says this, but to all who did receive him, who what? Who believed in his name. To them he gave the right to become children of God. See, if you refuse to put ever your trust in the Lord, what entitles you to be his child? What entitles for you to have a relationship with him? But listen, coming to know Christ as Savior is so simple. There has to be a point in your life you says, you know what? I'm tired of doing life alone. I need God in my life. The Bible says that the moment you put your trust and faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Christ, the Bible says that he forgives you of all of your sins. All those things that we are ashamed of. Listen, he forgives you. 
Then he does the unthinkable, right? He adopts you as a son and daughter. And for the rest of your life, you will spend eternity with a God who loves you. The question is, on this Easter Sunday, would you put your trust in him today? Let's bow our heads for prayer. But Lord, we are so, so grateful of your amazing love for us. What a, what a beautiful thing we celebrate on Easter weekend of your resurrection, how we have a heavenly father, an amazing divine older brother, and the spirit of God inside of us as a guarantee of our inheritance. Thank you, Father, for reminding me of that truth today. And with all heads bowed and all eyes closed, listen, in a few moments, if you feel like, man, I'm ready to take this step, I, I want to start a relationship with the Lord. Well, in a few moments, I'm going to lead you through a prayer. Before I do that, I'm going to ask you to do something. And in a few moments, if, if you, with no one looking around, all hats are going to be bowed, all hats are, are going to be closed. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or anything or embarrass you in front of your family or anybody around. It's, it's a private moment. All hats are going to be bowed and all eyes, eyes closed. But if you think, you know what, Omar, I'm ready to take this step. I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to start a relationship with God today. Listen, with no one looking around and with all heads closed, eyes closed, listen, if that's you, Listen, slip up your hand and say, Omar, I'm ready. I want to take, I want to put my trust in Christ today. Is there anybody here today that says, Omar, just pray for me. I'm ready. Many hands have gone up in all these services. I see you. Anybody else? That says, Omar, I'm ready to take this step of faith. I see you as well, ma'am. Anybody else? That says, Omar, just pray for me. I'm ready to take a step of faith at all campuses. Amen. Listen, you can put your hand down. Whether you raise your hand or not, I said, I want to lead you through a prayer. And when I lead through this prayer, I, I don't want you to talk to me. I'm simply a man. I cannot save you. You just talk to the God who loves you, who gave his son for you, and is ready to receive you as a son and daughter. So pray this with me quietly to yourself. Father, today I realize how the resurrection of your son changed everything. And so, Lord, I come before you today on this Easter Sunday, and I put my trust in you, O oh God. I confess all of my sin, and I ask you for forgiveness of my sin, and I put my trust in you, O oh Lord, today. Save me from my sin. Give me everlasting life. And, Lord, help me from now on to live a life that truly honors you, O oh Lord, because you are now my heavenly Father. And all that's the desire is to make, to please you, Lord, and to walk in your ways. Thank you, Lord, for saving me today, my God. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. amen. Hey, can we encourage those of us who came to, whether you raise your hand or not, listen, if you prayed that prayer, because I'm going to ask you to do something. If you're watching online, go to cfmiami.org slash connect. But if you're at one of our campuses, listen. On your way out, I know it's Easter Sunday, we got plans after this, but stop at the next step booth. But we'll put a Bible in your hand, we'll connect with you for a few moments so that we, our pastors could then help you take steps in your new walk with Christ. But listen, if you don't stop, we can connect with you. So stop by, listen, it's a, small, a few moments, but we'll have tremendous impact in your new relationship with God, all right? Well, I'm going to call all the campus pastors to the front. And uh, listen, I want to encourage us to be back next week because we're starting a new series called Conversationalist. 
And next week, we're going to be tackling the concept of suffering and war. You know, the question is, how, if God is such a good God, how can He allow good people to suffer? If He's so good, why does He allow suffering? We're going to answer that question next week in our first week of the Conversations. Christ Fellowship, I love you. Have a tremendous Easter weekend. <laughs>